This is Free Talk Live, and you're listening to my show. My name is Mark. And Russell's sitting in with me. Russell, you've got to approach that mic from uh, just a different angle there. you got to uh, talk into it like I'm talking into it, and then people can hear you. But, um, yeah, tonight the uh, and Ian's away, so the inmates have taken over the asylum this evening. And uh, we're going to have uh, – actually, we've got a special guest on the line, uh, Stefan Molnew. Got, do I got you there? You know, that's the, for, for an American, that is not a bad pronunciation. You get an honorary Gallic – Signal. So good for you. Why don't you pronounce it for me? Uh, Stefan Molyneux. Stefan Molyneux. Molyneux. Okay. Well, you know what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Stefan, give me the, uh, the the thirty second elevator speech, and then I got a call that we're going to take. Oh, sure. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me on. My name is Stefan Molyneux. Uh, I run a website called FreeDomainRadio.com, which is the number one philosophy podcast on the net, and I take it from a uh, uh, a libertarian or um, uh, anarcho-capitalist standpoint, and we deal with a variety of subjects, got some books out. Very happy to be here. Away with the callers, I say. I, I, I say the same thing. Russell, I'll give you your chance for your elevator speech in a little while. <laughs> All right, and I've got Ziggy on the line, the amp line here. You can give us a call at 1-800-259-9231 on the SACL CAI toll-free line if you'd like to talk. Ziggy? Hi, guys. Um, right, yeah. I was going to pick up on some things you said yesterday about the Communist Party Manifesto. Yeah, we were talking about the uh, the Communist Manifesto last night on the show. Yeah, well, I used to be a communist, so I know it very well. I was, I um, guess, in high school. It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Was it Nickel Toby with you last night? He mentioned that anarcho-communists, um, that is, anarcho-syndicists, were the true Marxists. I, I, I think we, we I think we said something like that that essentially that, yeah, that uh, is true that is actually true because Marx Marx said that the state would eventually disappear but he also never said that the state should own the means of production he always said the people should own the means of production it was Lenin uh, who, tr- who translated it meaning that the state should uh, own the means of production. So, um, yeah, it, uh, under Marx's uh, his utopia that he was hoping for with communism, yeah. there wouldn't really be a state. It would wither away, and yeah. we would all be live happily together, do, wanting exactly the same things. Can you imagine a world where everybody wants the same thing? It seems ludicrous to me. Yeah, well, two more points. Uh, first of all, uh, you said that there would be equal liability. Israel... Everyone has conscription. Israel has conscription, yeah. Yeah, this is all about equal liability. There's another another term for it. It's called um, collective guilt. Collective guilt, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ba- basically, the reason Israel have everyone does conscription, yeah. First of all, it's a small country um, with some hostile neighbours, but it's, it's it's also about you know putting the team together, if, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, encouraging people to fight for their country. It's the same kind of thing as equal liability. So, um, equal liability, you say, is it, it, it's it's somehow attached to conscription. I mean, that's what equal yeah. liability means. Because I really didn't yeah. know what the terminology. Well, I, what I'm saying is that basically Israel's um, it, it, it's kind of a Israel's policy, conscription policy, is kind of a. Uh, um, it's kind of it's kind of, of of equal liability in itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the other point I was going to make was um, the fact that, of course, um, no one owns any property um, under communism. Yeah. 
but the property is of the people. Right. And I think that's the part about communism that uh, most people just aren't yeah. ever going to get. Because yeah. everybody has property. Everybody has things that are important to them. Right. If it's just I, I, photographs. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a term called geolibertarianism? Uh, no. Right. Well, geolibertarians don't believe you own the land. Okay. I've heard now, this. Yeah. But basically, if you bought a house... Um, you own the house. The land underneath the house, you have to pay a, a, a lease for. Okay, to whom? To the well, to the government, basically. The government owns of, the land. Well, the government owns, the, or, or the people own the land. A lot of, um, I remember you were talking about property uh, taxes last night. A lot of geo libertarians go on about this um, thing over here called property value tax. Property value um, tax. Okay. Yeah. Um, because they believe that you don't actually own the land. Okay. You only own the property on the land. Therefore, you must pay a lease, if you, if you see what I mean. Sounds like what we've got today. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I think it's, you know, basically geolibertarianism is kind of an offshoot of uh, anarchism in the sense that, you know, anarchists don't believe that you ever own the land. I see. Well, I I have to disagree. I have to kindly disagree with them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm not a geo-libertarian, and, and, and to be honest, I think it's all a bit too complicated. Yeah, it does seem a little strange. Uh, just everybody owning the land, and then everybody's the government, and then, of course, those people in the government get to do what they want with the money that you pay for the lease, and uh, that's just that's the whole problem all over again. Yeah. Well, anyways, I thought I'd just um, put my thoughts in. Thanks, you. Siggy. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Yep. Stefan, what do you think about the... Uh, government owning the land there, geo-libertarianism. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, no, I've heard of that kind of stuff. And you hear these kinds of uh, arguments floating around that, uh, you know, land, it's the one thing they're not making any more of, right? Yeah. So that you can't subject that to a free market. My particular approach, just very briefly, is to say, well, if we're going to have any theory of property rights, then clearly it has to be universal and consistent for all people. Otherwise, it's just an opinion, like science or math is universal and consistent across the physical and numerical world. Yeah. A theory about property just has to be consistent. So you can't say no one can own the land except a bunch of people called the government who can charge rent because then some people can own the land and some people can't. Right, because so those I just people... generally prefer to say it's, it's a universal theory. Everybody can own land. And we can for sure as a society figure out what a bunch of frontiers people with grade four education figured out 200 years ago, which is homesteading, is yeah. not that big concept, but people get pretty hung up on it. Well, there, there were some problems with homesteading, at least here in the States. I don't know how things were in, uh, in Canada, but uh, th there, there were some problems with it. And, um, you know, the government wanted to control how people homesteaded and, home people wa and people wanted to have land of their own. And so there was sort of a, a, a conflict between uh, what was real property rights and what the government, uh, you know, considered that what property rights were. The same way now that we're having problems with uh, what is intellectual property and can people download music off the internet and share their things? Right, right, right. Okay. But it's interesting because I wonder if the, if the conflict would have happened if it wasn't a conflict between a sort of private way of distributing the property and homesteading plus a government way. Usually it's a conflict between what people will do naturally and what the government tells them to do. Yeah. And without the government, people resolve it much more peacefully. I concur with that. Well, we've got some, some more calls. Uh, J.C. In, in Utah. Libertations, Mark. <laughs> Libertations, J.C. <laughs> How are you guys doing this evening? Good. Great, you know what? You, you didn't say 
Good. What's on your mind? Like Ian. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, it's, it, it, I understand why he likes to get into the calls and get going uh, because you know that's what people want and everything. And I'm just, I'm just not quite willing to, uh, you know, j- jump on people just quite as hard as he is. But you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, I was, uh, I was pleased as punch to hear you talk. Uh, Last week was it? Uh, you were talking about the true definition of inflation. Yeah, that's that's believe it or not, that is a, an issue that uh, raises quite a bit of uh, ire amongst our listeners. Many people believe the uh, the Keynesian, uh, you know, Keynes the economist, the, uh, his philosophy on what uh, inflation is, which is you know prices going up, and I think that's what everybody's pretty much taught in school. Versus the Austrian economics, the Mises sort of definition, which is uh, inflation is an increase in the monetary supply. It results in prices going up, but that's not what inflation is. Inflation is an increase in the monetary supply. Exactly. And um, I think I have a great short story that will maybe win over a couple of those Keynesians who could be listening right now. Please do. Um, You familiar with Salvador Dali? I have heard of old Salvador Dali. He has, as a matter of fact, a museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I have seen many, many of his works. Awesome. Uh, most famous being the, the melting clock. But uh, Salvador Dali, um, I heard the story that he didn't pay for a single meal um, in the last decade of his life. You know, I, Be- I, I've, I've heard the same thing about Picasso. He just drew little pictures to pay for them. Yeah, actually, yes. Uh, maybe they, he would maybe go they... to these restaurants. Um, the restaurant here would give him the bill. He'd, he'd write a check, turn it over, and he would draw a picture on the back. Do you think those checks ever got to the bank? I wouldn't take mine to the bank. Um, I'm going to hold on to you, JC, and we'll uh, get back to you. This is Free Talk Live. You can give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. Free Talk Live, one 800 259-9231, your radio insurrection. My name's Mark. This is Russell. That's right, and we also have special guest Stefan Molyneux on with us. And, uh, Stefan, you there? I sure am. Thanks Ex- very much. Excellent. Um, well, we're, we're taking calls, and we were talking to uh, JC in Utah. JC? Indeed. Well, Just recapping real quick, we were talking about how Salvador Dali, or maybe Picasso, I, you know, I'm not really sure now. One of those surrealists. For, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But used to pay for meals with checks and then write, uh, draw pictures on the checks, sign them, and then eventually the whole region where he lived was covered in, uh, well, restaurants that had framed checks that never went back to the bank. That's pretty cool. I just want to paint the picture that uh, the U.S. dollar is kind of like this. We are, in effect, uh, because we're the official oil currency of OPEC, which is crumbling, uh, the, uh, we're exporting oil coupons to the rest of the world. And uh, what, what I want to impress upon uh, uh, the people is two things. Number one, the inflation that we think we see every morning on the TV has already happened. The, the money supply is already huge, and now we're, the price level going up is just the, the side effect of that. And then the other thing I, I want to, uh, to impress upon people, which is the great big light bulb for me, was uh, as we fill the world with more and more dollars that are essentially oil coupons, every additional coupon that we create 
steals value from every dollar all over the globe. Right. We are, in effect, taxing every single country in the world. Well, and, and, and mostly American citizens that have these dollars, too. Now, as far as an oil coupon, I, I think I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but I can't turn my dollar in to get any oil. My dollar is just a piece of paper with some green printing on it. Now, by the way, they're going to be putting colors on the $5 uh, uh, you know, bill, which... Of course, that's what they do in banana republics when they're uh, when their currency's tanking. Is they they well, let's use colors, and <laughs> they, they make them pretty, huh? Yep, that's what's happening. Uh, so yeah, well, every time though, you every time we huh? print more dollars, what well, we every time the federal government Federal Reserve prints more dollars and then introduces those dollars into the marketplace, it dilutes the value that those dollars represent. So therefore, prices have to go up. You have to spend more dollars to get the same stuff, and that's why the dollar has been. Being devalued since 1913. Exactly. Now let's look at a scenario. Let's say it's Picasso, like you said. Let's say that some art critic says, you know what? Picasso was never really that good anyway. What's going to happen to all those framed checks that are sitting <laughs> sitting around? Well, They're assuming the art critic the had the had had the the sway to say that Picasso wasn't that good, right, um, then exactly. then I guess they would become worthless or worthless. Right, and people would send them back to the bank because the, the, the amount on the other side that's written for what was owed for the meal mm-hmm. is greater, of greater value than the drawing on the back. And there's not enough bank, probably, um, to cover the, the money. You know, there's not enough money in the bank to cover the amount written on the checks. And that's what's happening right now. The value of our dollar is contingent on everybody in the world holding on to them. And when you have Venezuela... Um, plowing all of its dollars that it gets from selling oil into euros, and Iran four months ago saying, admitting that they're not selling any oil for dollars at all now, just euros, and China diversifying their currency portfolio, which is code for we're dumping dollars and buying euros or something else. Right. It's um, it's obvious to me that the right. uh, that the that our currency, the Federal Reserve note, will not be the world reserve currency in some time in the relatively not. near future. I'm going to predict yep. predict less than a decade, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in the next two years. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this year is going to be a very very. Interesting. Any, if if I had extra money, the, the you know, with the extra money that I have, uh, and I do, I have I have gold and silver. Um, one of the great places to get it is uh, Midas Resources. Um, you, at MidasResources.com, you can, uh, you can get this gold and silver, and it'll continue to go up. You see that gold's just hit an all-time high recently, as has silver, and sure. um, you know, it's it's. I, I see that it, I I just expect it to continue to go up. Definitely. Hey, thanks for the time. Have a good one. Thanks, JC. Can I just, uh, I'd just like to mention something as well. Uh, a friend of mine who's uh, Russian was talking about, he's done some research into the sort of fall of the Soviet bloc uh, that occurred in the 80s, and he said that one of the things that's interesting is that when those sort of on the inside who have all the information that we don't about what's happening with the currency and the deficit and so on, right, the insiders. when they realize, sorry, well, yeah, when they realize that the uh, the gravy train is going to go off the rails within their own terms. What happens is there's a huge acceleration in the pillaging of the public purse. So when you think it's going to last like 30 years or whatever, then you just take a certain amount. But when you realize it's only going to last five years, there's a feeding frenzy and there's a massive escalation in the amount of money that gets taken out of government because people realize that it just can't last. So they just start grabbing everything, you know, in this Indiana Jones style, like the door is coming down, you just stuff your cloak with everything. And that's what happened in Russia, and I would not be at all surprised 
if that uh, situation is occurring as well in the U.S. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it spiraling, but it seems like day by day you can just watch the, the, the dollar devalue um, against world currencies. You know, at, at one point, we here in the United States really considered Canadian dollars to be kind of play money. You know, um, it, it was <laughs> right. like, I think it was uh, 66 cents or 75 cents the Canadian dollar was, and it was never going to, a, a Canadian dollar couldn't possibly be worth what a United, U.S. dollar is. What is it now, Stefan? Well, it's certainly been trading at par, and was certainly above for a well while. Above. We've definitely we've elevated above our usual monopoly money status vis-a-vis the U.S. <laughs> but uh, but that's just because people are recognizing this, you know, two to five trillion dollar liability of the war that's being funded by money printing, and they realize that that's going to have repercussions in the devaluing of the dollar. So they're going to other currencies, which of course is buoying up the Canadian and the euro and the yen and all those other currencies. And just uh, dropping the uh, dollar down a mine shaft. Yeah, and uh, the easiest way to, uh, to to hedge against this, if you're going to hold on to some money, because if you spend it, then you get something of value. You have a loaf of bread, or you have a, a car, or whatever you've bought it with, so you have something of, of real tangible value with your dollars. But if you're going to hold on to the dollars so that you can, you know, have some money in the future, best way to hold on to those right now is with something, uh, you know, like e- either. Uh, I guess commodities, um, you know, stocks, uh, stocks I'm not so into right now, but I'm thinking that commodities, barrels of oil, things like that, good ways to go. Let's take another call. Um, By the way, uh, Stefan, I I don't know what vis-a-vis means. Oh, vis-a-vis? Relative to. Sorry. Uh, I just throw a few foreign words in, like my last name, just to keep things spicy. (laughs) But uh, please, go on. (laughs) All right. Freedom Frank in Oregon. Uh, hey, hey guys, um, and uh, Stefan, thanks for coming on the show, because my question, uh, I want to sort of direct to you, I didn't know you were going to be on today, but um, now that you are, I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, my question is uh, about voluntary society and how us as, as humans now in, in a status society can get to that point a lot faster um, before humans evolve past the point of wanting to use violence on each other to hmm. um, achieve some kind of uh, virtuous uh, activity, um, and I've heard I've heard you say before on on your show and on Mark Stevens' show that um, it's best if you just create your own personal network of liberty with whether it's your, your friends or, or your family or, or maybe your, your business colleagues. But um, in, in doing that, I don't see how you are um, freeing yourself from the state when your, your entire existence and every activity you do um, for almost everyone in the world... Frank, we'll get to you when we get back for the break. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. That's the Sacred CAI toll-free line. You're listening to Free Talk Live. It's my show. My name's Mark. This is Russell. And we've got uh, special guest Stefan Molyneux, uh, with whom we're uh, speaking to, regarding uh, callers and that kind of thing. And we had uh, Freedom Frank on the line, and he was uh, asking some questions about voluntary societies and, and picking Stefan's brain. Frank, you there? Hello, Frank. Frank going once. Hello, hello. There we are. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so quickly recap your question and uh, encapsulate it so Stefan can get it. Okay, um, my question is on how do we as as humans now um, get to a voluntary society um, as quick as possible before, uh, or, or or rather, without relying on on uh, human evolution to get to the point where we do not want to use violence against people to achieve our, our own goals. Cause so I, what's it going to take to get it, us to liberty? Yeah, w- okay. w- without some kind of, you know, quantum leap of, of human evolution. I mean, it, it, it's just something that I, I, I struggle with as someone who who is, you know, an anarchist or a free marketeer or whatever you want to classify yourself, um, you know, based on based on rights and, and these things are just are just concepts that you know there's no real there's no real rights in my opinion. It's just something that we kind of delude ourselves into thinking so that we can coexist a little bit easier with, with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Stefan? Uh, right. right. Well I mean this is the big cloud that's right at the core of libertarianism and whatever other sort of freedom movement political philosophies you want. And it always sort of reminds me of this old cartoon that there used to be floating around science departments when I was in university, which was um, there would be a guy with, you know, six million quadratic equations on a board, and then there'd be this little puff of vapor in the middle of his board, and then at, on the right side it was like, solved, right? And in the puff of vapor was written, here a miracle occurs. Right? Right. It's always sort of struck me that that's a little bit, that's sort of where I've really tried to focus as, many, as much of my intellectual energies as possible, is trying to penetrate that thought cloud called here, a miracle occurs. And I'll give you a real, real short uh, indication. I've got like so, more podcasts than I'd be. Uh, I'm too embarrassed to admit how many podcasts I've done. So, <laughs> um, so just have a look on the website. But very briefly, my training is a, is a historian, which means that you sort of have to start working from the facts. And the basic fact is that political libertarianism has for about 300 years, if you count sort of Adam Smith and onwards, tried to use political solutions to achieve political liberty. Throughout those uh, three centuries plus, the state has grown bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger. So that now we have, uh, uh, as a result of uh, over three centuries of staggering efforts and investment of time, money, and energy, we have a state that is far bigger than when we started. So I generally conclude from that that more of the same is not going to produce a a different outcome. So that's, uh, that's a very, very brief explanation of why I don't think the political side is going to work. I think that what we need, I have an incredible faith or belief in the power of morality and ethics, and I've got this book, uh, Universally Preferable Behavior, that is aiming to prove that uh, this uh, has all of this power and to prove how it can work. But the basic idea is that if you have people in your life who support taxation, who support, in essence, the initiation of the use of force against you, and you continue to have them in your life, then what you're basically saying is that ethics doesn't really mean that much. Uh, you're not really against the initiation of the use of force. It's kind of like a Sudoku, like an intellectual game. I'm not saying you, but but someone. Uh If we have the strength, I would say, strength of character to say to people, do you support the use of violence against me? And that doesn't mean cornering them, and that doesn't mean yelling at them. It doesn't mean being aggressive or abusive in any way, but saying, look, I believe that the use of force is wrong. The initiation of force is wrong. If you support the government, if you support taxation, then you support the initiation of the use of force, not in some abstract realm, but against me personally, directly. 
or at least the threat and, thereof. Now, um, step well, on, yeah. And I, so, if, sorry, if if we just if we just can sort of ease those people out of our lives, if they're not willing to listen to reason, if they can't uh, disprove our thesis, and they continue to, add that, then we take our ideas really seriously. That produces a real change in society. But sorry, go ahead, Mark. Uh, well, I was just uh, I, I was thinking about something that happened to me today. I was having lunch with my my wife and my mother-in-law. My wife is uh, extraordinarily pregnant at this point, and uh, her mom's up here to uh, you know be around for the birth. And her mom's a very nice lady. These these are good folks. And I was telling her the story. She's she's uh, pretty much what they call a yellow dog Democrat. She'll be a Democrat until the day she dies, kind of um, <laughs> kind of gal. And you know, I, I I like to talk to her about these. It's difficult to talk to me about anything but uh, these sort of philosophies. And <laughs> he, uh, I I was telling her the story about a gentleman in California who was arrested uh, for not paying for his trash pickup. Now, uh, you know, he wasn't putting any trash out either. And she's like, good. <laughs> you know, she she really does. Uh, you know, it, 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 I didn't get to explain it to her fully. I did explain it to her fully, and then she was a bit surprised to find out that here in uh, in, in Keene, New Hampshire, we we actually have voluntary pr- trash pickup in the sense that you pay someone to come and pick up your trash. She couldn't believe it. She, her her jaw hit the ground. She couldn't believe that trash would actually get picked up without the municipal government coming by and forcing you to pay for it. But so I guess so she really. Did uh, support does support that or whatever, right? And sorry, just just one last point. I'm, I don't want to monopolize, but because uh, you know we're against monopolies. Uh, but, <laughs> monopolize away. But to, just just to touch on it really briefly, um, just just this one one point. Uh, if we are willing to, because libertarians were always on the run, right? We're always running around trying to come up with more statistics, better arguments, another approach. We're like the we run to the library, we run to the internet, we Google stuff, we get arguments, we run back, and we're the ones scurrying around. We're like the we're like the new mammals at the feet of the old dinosaurs or something. And <laughs> the way that I tr- suggest turning that around is, and it, it just has to do with planting yourself like a a big oak tree, right? And you say. I am against the use of violence to solve problems. And there's no sane human being on the world who's going to say, yes, let's have more violence to solve problems. So you plant yourself like an oak tree and you say, no, I'm not going to run around trying to get all these arguments for you and proving every Austrian theory of economics under the planet and so on. What I'm going to do is say, I don't support the use of violence to solve problems. If you support the state and you listen to me explain to you how the state uses violence to solve problems, if you continue to advocate the use of violence against me, then I can't have you in my life. And that's what it means, I think, to take your beliefs seriously. And if we stop running around trying to prove everything to everyone, but simply plant ourselves like an oak tree in the middle of the road and say, this is wrong, and if you continue to advocate violence against me, you can't be in my life. Now, I know that everybody goes to then say, well, we live in a desert island, we've got to go live in the woods, we've got to go you know, be thorough and right. so on. But that's not, that doesn't happen. That's a fear that we have. But in my experience, in the experience of, I don't know how many uh, listeners that, that have I've worked through these sorts of questions in my show, it doesn't happen. People change when you take a firm stand. I have a, I have a quick comment about that. Um, I, I understand that, that argument, and uh, I have tried to apply it in, in my life as practical as I can. But the thing is, is uh, in, in any semi-modern society in the world, you cannot do anything without enjoying the benefits of state violence. Even this phone call I am making is dependent on government coercive power of the FCC to protect 
this wave I am talking to talking on that a company has purchased probably through coercion. So it, it seems like a, a totally an unprincipled way. And if I really want to be nonviolent and live my live my life in a principled way, that uh, I should just kill myself because there's no there's going to be no other way to uh, not. No, I'm it. sorry to interrupt. I mean, I, I know that argument really well, but. But fundamentally, you're not responsible for the world that you inherited. You and I, maybe Mark did, but you and I for sure didn't create this whole status universe that we live in, right? I absolutely did. We just inherited did. this. Right? <laughs> right. We just inherited this from prior generations, and we're doing our best to survive and to turn the world around in a difficult and coercive environment. We're not responsible for the actions of the state. We are not stained by the evil actions of other people. Now, well, that's you know, I'd like to get into that. And as a matter of fact, I'm I'm going to grill Stefan on the um, on the pit here when we get back. This is uh, Mark and Russell at on um, Free Talk Live one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Give us a call. Free Talk Live one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's my show. My name is Mark. Here's Russell, and we're bringing Free Talk Live to you. One thing you should know is that uh, you can get ar- the archives of the show for the last year's worth. They're available right at the website at freetalklive.com. The last six days are right on the right-hand side, and you can kind of fish around a little bit. Uh, near there is the uh, the bit torrent that you can get for the last year's worth of the show. That's uh, freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to meet activists who are already achieving success in New Hampshire. Kind of like Russell here. And learn how FSP early movers are already making a difference. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. That's porkfest.com. And uh, we were just talking to uh, Freedom Frank. We have Stefan Molyneux on the uh, line. And uh, Frank called in and re- addressed a question directly to Stefan. And uh, Stefan, are you there? I sure am. Good. So um, we had addressed a question directly to you regarding um, how would we get to freedom and and uh, sort of your solution is to talk to people uh, the people that you know and ask them do they support violence or threats of violence aggressive force against you and um, it seemed like Frank was kind of muddied up and and whether or not he could uh, be a good and true uh, libertarian or anarcho-capitalist or whatever it was and uh Russell had some thoughts on that. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a perfect question for you, Stefan, isn't it? Uh, you get that one all the time. What do you think uh, would be the next step for him? Well, I think that uh, he should. Uh, the first thing that you need to do is is I, I would say uh, not rush out into the world and start you know cornering people with the Socratic mode of questioning, but just, just to look into yourself to find that you to find your certainty about this stuff. There there is nothing more powerful, I think, in the world than a really core certainty that you express in a calm and resolute kind of way. That's the kind of certainty that got equality for women, got rid of slavery, and so on. It's just that core moral certainty about where we're going. And so you just you stand firm. If you stand firm, the world will change. If you run around trying to convince the world with statistics and what I call the argument from effect, right, then, then you'll never, ever change anyone's mind fundamentally. Because libertarians, you know, we've, we've all gone down this mad road, right, where somebody says... Uh, well, you know, without uh, governments, there'd be no national defense. And so we go and read up on all this national defense stuff, and we come back and say, well, you know, it could work this way, or it could work this way, or it could work this way, and so on. And then it's like, oh, well, without government, the poor would 
starve in the streets and the old and the sick would expire in the gutter and blind. We go back and we say, well, here's how this could work. And, and that process never ends. And we're kind of just running around, not making any progress. And other people are directing the show. Whereas Ooh. if we say it doesn't matter what happens as a result of virtue, it doesn't matter what happens as a result of the truth. It doesn't matter what happens if we put down this magic gun of government. What matters is that it's violence to begin with and it's wrong. Now, it seems like uh, it's easy to talk to people in your own lives, and uh, you can see changes like you're talking about, and you know that's why you're positive. But don't you think also a guy like him, he's frustrated with this thing he doesn't think he can change at all, this massive government. I mean, you could talk to your friends and separate yourself from you know the local bully, but there's still this monstrosity. What about yes, what do we do with that, that person? Sorry, but, that, but, that monstro- but, that, but that monstrosity, what we call the state is not a thing. It is a concept. It is a belief in people's minds. The state doesn't exist in external reality. You've got buildings, you've got guns, you've, you've got uniforms, you've got jails, you've got people. Those are just physical things. If everybody stopped believing in the state tomorrow, there would be no state. Right? I mean, if, if we stop believing in the sun, there's still a sun, right? That's an objective and an, an empirical thing. But the state is just an idea in people's minds. And well, what when happens... you oppose the idea... Sorry, go ahead. What happens when you... Um... You're saying that you talk to a person about, uh, do you believe in, you know, using force or something like that, and you want to separate yourself from somebody that says they do. Well, what if that person is a cop that's pulled you over? Well, how does, yeah. How I does mean, it work with him? Yeah. <laughs> we, you, I mean, he's got the gun, and he obviously believes in the state, and he's well-armed. And, you know, so you, you obey him, right, in the same way that, well, you know, well, if, why if would, you're kidnapped, you will look. Right? Well, why would you? Wouldn't it make because sense to separate yourself from him somehow? Well, I mean, to, to maybe me, you should, the maybe you should run. To, <laughs> you could, but to me, prevention. See, philosophy is all about prevention, not cure. Philosophy is like nutrition, not radiotherapy. So once you're <laughs> in a situation where a cop is pointing a gun at you, philosophy is not going to help you that much, right? So it's not, there's no point quitting smoking after you advanced lung cancer, right? So <laughs> the whole point of philosophy is to avoid it, to say, okay, well, you know, try and work in environments where you pay uh, legally a minimum amount of tax, you know, and, and, and don't speed and just don't get the government involved in your life in any way that you can help avoid it and so on. You know, pay off the hitmen and then talk about the evils of violence. And that, that is the approach that I've sort of found works, works really well. And recognize that we can change the state and real freedom is without a doubt a multi-generational project. There's just no way to get rid of something disembedded without a multi-generational project. So given that we're not going to wake up tomorrow and live in a stateless world, how is it that we can achieve the most freedom? Because the way that we free other people is being the most free of ourselves. And if we're beating our heads against this fantasy of the state that we can't eliminate, we don't look very free to other people, and that doesn't seem to be very inviting, if that makes sense. Well, it, it does. I mean, we are trying to uh, eliminate the state within our lifetimes here at the in, in New Hampshire for the Free State Project. As a matter of fact, we've got uh, John, uh, who's a member of the Free State Project, on the line. John? John, are you there? John going once. Hi, guys. Hey, John. Hey. There. Um, yeah, New Hampshire is certainly not perfect, and uh, we've got a group of people here in New Hampshire that are trying to make it less perfect. I suppose in their mind, they think they're trying to make it just and fair, Uh uh, I suppose since you have a couple of guests, maybe I'll throw out a question rather than making a statement. Uh, we have property taxes here in New Hampshire, which are kind of localized, and we have this group of people who want to try to throw out this uh, 
idea to reject the pledge, as they call it. We're going to do this Saturday morning, so any listeners that are that are out there, uh, be aware that your town meeting is tomorrow, and you need to be there to fight these bastards, if I can use that word on the air. Um, they want to institute a broad-based tax. They want either a sales tax or an income tax, and my suspicion is that they actually want both, and my suspicion is that most people who support this sort of violence, uh, theft, is because they support government because they believe, although they'll tell you it's for the children, what they actually believe is they are going to get more out of it than they put in from the next town over and the guy down the street, the people you can't see, the friends that you guys were just talking about. Um, you guys had mentioned, so here's my question. You had mentioned earlier a little conversation about property tax and how that's kind of, you know, weird. Uh, what's, what's more weird, to do a, a local property tax or some sort of tax where you just go after everybody in a broad-based thing? Well, you know, a broad-based yeah. sounds, and I just wanted to throw sounds so one scary, doesn't it? To everybody <laughs> in New Hampshire listening, remember that tomorrow, even if you are not a voter... You have a right to go to your town hall and speak on a moral point that this is immoral to do this to your neighbors in the town across the line. Thanks for calling, John. Now, yeah. uh, Russell, which which tax is better? Is it property tax, sales tax, income tax? <laughs> which tax is better? Yeah, I know. There has to be a better tax out there, right? I know. The socialists around in New Hampshire like to use broad-based tax. That always reminds me of somebody like Al Gore. He wants to tax everything you got. You know, I just all of them sound horrible. Yeah, I mean, I the one thing about the income tax that I hate more than anything, Stefan, I'll let you uh, answer this in a second. One thing about the uh, income tax that I hate more than anything is all the questions they ask you in the process of taking your income. Um, with a property tax or sales tax, they don't ask you any questions, and so it's slightly less invasive. Slightly less it's invasive. Less voluntary. <laughs> but. You know, I, I guess I guess that's where I come come in on it. I still think that all taxes are theft, and they're threats of violence, threats of taking my house away, and threats of putting me in jail. Stefan? Well, I don't interact with slave masters. I mean, that's that's not a philosophy that I follow. And you know, this guy's obviously doing the thing that he thinks is best to achieve liberty. I, you know, would respectfully disagree that that approach is ever going to work. I don't beg my slave masters to hit me a little bit less. I don't uh, beg them to hit me in the knee rather than the elbow. Uh, I just interact with them as little as I possibly can while consistently and constantly renouncing them as evil. But, but, uh, I don't but Stefan, when that. they come to your door to take your house, you're saying that you want to give in to them. I mean, that, you know, that might be confusing to you. Sorry, but they're not going to come to, they're not coming to my house. Do you uh, pay them? House. Do you pay they're, your, not, they're not coming to take my house. Do you pay your property because taxes? I pay my property taxes. I see. So you, so you pay off the... Well, uh, see, that sounds like begging. Well, I don't know if it sounds like begging. <laughs> no, 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 like no, no. It's like I, I'm not begging them to, to reduce my taxes. I just I know it's a shakedown. Uh, I know that it's thoroughly evil. And I also know that the vast majority of people think that it's virtuous because it educates the children and paves the roads, and they just they don't know yet because right? you don't know what you don't yeah. know. Yep. Um, Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI line. Stefan, uh, you're welcome to stay as long as you'd like. Would you like to yeah, stay I on? could do a little longer if it's all right with you. I'm certainly enjoying myself. Yeah, it's, sounds good. Pictures. It's a good time. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. Give us a call. one 800 259 
You're listening to my show. It's Free Talk Live. My name's Mark, and I'm here with Russell. Excellent. And uh, we have a special guest, Stefan Molyneux. Stefan, if the listeners just tuned in, who are you? Uh, my name is Stefan Molyneux, and I used to have a real job as a software executive, and um, I quit about a year ago to run my show, Free Domain Radio, full-time, which is, a, uh, I guess, the number one philosophy site on the Internet for podcasts and shows. Uh, everything is free. The shows are free. The books are free. Because when it comes to business, I have cheese for brain. So uh, I give <laughs> it away, and I rely completely on donations. There are no ads, nothing like that, and so... Uh, yeah, come by and uh, open your mind, and uh, you know maybe you'll open your wallet too, so, and I can uh, eat. So that's nice. So you're sort of a, a libertarian philosopher. Would that be a quick way to sum it up? I think that's a pretty good way of, of funny. It, yeah. That's what I consider myself too. It's 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 a small little world. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and that's exactly what we're going to do right now. The the libertarian cage match because you have uh, briefly recap what uh, your plan is to get to liberty that we've been talking about. Well, you uh, liberate yourself and your personal relationships. As I've always said, I would rather have 50% taxation and a really happy marriage than no taxation and an unhappy marriage. That would make me much less free. You work on building real freedom in your personal relationships. You work at becoming a, be a beacon of somebody who uses his time and energies positively to liberate himself from, uh, from corruption and vice and, and so on from the people around him. And then people are drawn to you, and you change the world that way. It's a multi-generational project. You teach people how to raise their children better. You teach them how to understand themselves better. It is a more, I believe, at this stage in the movement, it's more of a philosophical and psychological movement than it is political, because politics has never worked for the last three centuries plus and doesn't show any signs of working now. So I think that we work to get as much freedom as possible in our lives. That freedom then spreads, and we're honest, of course, about the values and the virtues that we live, and we don't accept people in our lives who continue to advocate violence against us. That's how we change the world. Now, um, I, I, I would agree with you largely on uh, philosophies of, of liberty. I think that uh, any solutions that are voluntary solutions are far better than solutions that the, the government has, where it uses force to get those solutions. So you and I agree pretty thoroughly there. But I'm sort of of the opinion that uh, voting is, is self-defense against the people that would, uh, would put more taxes upon me. And so I advocate political solutions. I'll uh, go to the state house and uh, beg my masters, as it were, to uh, pass less arduous laws upon me. And um, I generally do not talk to people about things like free market police or free market roads or things like that. I, I say, let's get to really small government. Uh, let's secede from the Union, uh, the United States of America, New Hampshire, I guess, uh, New Hampshire could secede. Let's secede from the Union, and we can have a very small government, and then we'll slowly pick apart the the pieces that uh, that that I that, that seem much more uh, that people can't imagine us doing without. Like, whoa! If you get rid of the government, we won't have any roads. The criminals will run rampant. Those are the things you hear from you know the normal people um, when you talk about liberty. So I just I, I circumnavigate those uh, th th those particular areas. And I'll let you talk to, talk about it uh, real quick, Stefan, but I want to get Russell. What's your philosophy, Russell? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's... Uh, I, I like Stefan. Uh, some of my friends are uh, real uh, Stefan addicts. Yeah, Stefan has a even, very popular... Even though, even though we refer to you as the, the forehead that talks. <laughs> and, uh, Big but... Daddy Forehead, that's my rap name. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun to see how you've taken certain steps towards uh you know towards freedom 
and actually feel like you can do something because you're positive. Uh, whereas we ran, you know, Freedom Frank, he's feeling very dejected and worried about all the things the government can do. Uh, I just like to accelerate things a little bit more because it feels like to me, uh, uh, lots of libertarians, uh, they can, like I love uh, Rothbard, but he's just a professor. You know, you can only do so much when you're a professor. Right. You want liberty in our lifetimes, and you won't bow to the government when the government comes to call in. Isn't that correct? Well, sometimes I do. but <laughs> Generally, you don't pay your taxes. No, I try not to. Right. And yeah. uh, I, I've seen you instigating police is what I would call uh, the activities that I've, I've, I've seen you doing. But, uh, you, you know, when an authority figure comes around, you try to show them for the violent uh, person that they are. Yeah, and it seems like also, you know how you, uh, Stefan, you were talking about having conversations with people. Sometimes you can even have those great conversations with the government people, even though they are more, they are changeable. You know, they do, because it's amazing, like when you're doing civil disobedience, they, you break down all their legalese and they start talking morality, just like what we're all talking about. That's what I've run into. Stefan? Well, I'm... I don't mean to alarm you, but I'm going to use a teeny tiny little metaphor because I'm also a novelist and a writer of fiction. That's a little tiny metaphor. I promise it won't bite. But it goes a little something like this. So when the government was, uh, let's say, 5% of its current size, there were a whole bunch of political, I guess they were called classical liberals back in the 19th century, who were saying, we've got to use politics to slow down the growth and reverse the size of the government. When government was 5% or 1% what it is now. Right. So you think of that as like a truck going down a hill that's going down five miles an hour, right? People are saying, well, we hit the brakes, we'll be able to pull, uh, bring this truck to a stop, maybe even back it up a little bit. And then as you move into the 20th century, the truck keeps getting faster and faster and faster, and you've got all these libertarians stamping on the brakes, stamping on the brakes, using political action to try and slow down and stop this truck and move it back up the hill. Now the truck is going like 300 miles an hour. Yeah, it's barreling down the road. Political libertarians hitting the brakes saying, don't worry, we can, but if it didn't work with, when it was 5% of its current size, how on earth could it conceivably work now? If we couldn't stop the truck when it was going 5 miles an hour, how can we stop the truck when it was I going agree. 300? This thing is going to just have to smash, and that's how it's going to end. Well, I knew I was going to get jumped on on this one, so um, my, my thought here is that the Free State Project... <laughs> <laughs> the Free State Project, uh, we're going to concentrate more libertarians in one smaller geographic area that, uh, of, you know, that has government control, and therefore we're going to have more foot pushing on that brake that you're referring to and finally be able to – I mean, we've seen some real victories uh, here in the Free State Project. We've seen some defeats, too. And, but there's, you know, maybe, maybe a thousand Free State Project members have moved to the state. Uh, they say 500 on the website, but I just don't believe that number. Um, so I, I I see some success. Step well, on. yeah, okay, <laughs> and, let, and and there's no question. Look, I'm not I'm not saying that the people who are who are politically motivated are mental. I mean, you're you're obviously right. There are <laughs> successes. You can move the steering wheel a little bit, but you still can't slow the thing down as a whole. I also think no matter that, what uh, laws you pass, like if you get them to cut your property taxes at the local level, they just print more money at the state level. Like you simply, this is a hydra. You cut off one head and two because the foundational aspect of it is violence, which means that tweaking at the edges isn't going to work. You have to go for the belly of the beast. You have to go for the core of the beast. You have to go for the root of this unholy tree, which for me is the core justification for violence. For me, you know, that hacking at the branches stuff, I just hasn't worked for three centuries, and I just don't see that there's going to be a new way to make it work. Now, of course, I could be wrong, right? Maybe uh, the Free State Project will work, 
and uh, I'll be eating a huge amount of my own podcast in the well, future, and that's fine. I'll do oh, that on video. What you're doing right now is hugely important to the liberty movement, Stefan. Um, and if if I'm making it sound like I don't think that's the case. Uh, when when your when your seminal podcasts come out the the big ones that seem to, that they get a lot of press those are the ones I listen to I'm not much of a podcast listener I don't even listen to my own show but um, <laughs> when when your important stuff like you write these big blogs I read them and I enjoy them I when, you know when Ron Paul uh, got the defeat here in New Hampshire or maybe it wasn't New Hampshire maybe it was uh, when when you decided that Ron Paul had uh, lost the uh, the the election and I'm not a hundred percent sure he has at this point but I'm getting there. Um, I, I really enjoyed that particular. I think it was an article or it was a it was a podcast, one of the two. So I think you're doing hugely important things for the liberty movement. I just don't entirely agree with the uh, you know your system of of dealing with it. Let, let's well, take look, some, the fact that we uh, agree on the ends is much much more important than the, me, the whether we agree on the means, right? You, we're both fighting for the same end. You know, we just have different uh, decisions or, or beliefs about how it uh, how it can be achieved. But obviously, we are. You know, far more allies than anything else, and that's an important thing to remember. Uh, because there's a lot, there you know, can be a lot of infighting in this kind of thing. But the important thing to remember is, if you manage to get the goal of cutting the government in half, I'm not going to sit there and say, "Well, that's not philosophically pure." So, you know, so I don't approve. No, I'd be, I'd be very thankful. I don't think it can work that way, but you know, time will tell for sure. Hey, if we see, uh, if we, we do cut the government in half here in New Hampshire, will you sign up for the Free State Project? Thank you, Matt. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you've got it there, folks. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI line. You're listening to Free Talk Live. Give us a call and talk about what you want to talk about. one 800 You're listening to Free Talk Live. And tonight, it's not your show. It's my show. My name is Mark, and I'm here in the studio with... Russell. And a uh, special guest, Stefan Molyneux. Stefan, you there? I sure am. Excellent. I uh, want to tell the listeners that uh, you can get the archives of the show. We have uh, the last year's worth of our archives right there on the uh, the website, and you can download them for free. That's freetalklive.com. And if you want to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days, you can do so without permanently changing your diet. You can check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com and read some real testimonials. Find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. And, Stefan, during the break, something wonderful happened. I got a call in here that I was just really hoping that we would get. And we're going to go directly to her. Paula? No, this is a, no, this is a guy that was going to have to go underneath the knife, but he said he wasn't going to do it. Hey, Paula? It's not. Paula? Hello? Hey, Paula. You're on. Yeah, hi. I was just listening to you all, and uh, this libertarian uh, free state thing, I mean, this is great. And I've, I've already talked to... Um, you know, something rubs in about it. Excellent. And uh, anyway... Um, Could you talk I to George wanted... Bush? Could you give him a call and talk to him about the Free State Project? Because I know you've got no. an in with him. No. Okay. But anyway, I've already talked to the representatives here about it. Excellent. And I mean, I said, you know, we, you really need to... You know, I gave him the website. I said, you need to look at this. I said, this is very, very important. And I'm going to let him know about this Freedom Force International, too. What is Freedom Force International? It's another organization. Very good. So what would you call about, Paula? But anyway, did y'all hear about what happened in the House? Um, which House? Okay, in the House in Washington. House of Representatives? Yeah, they passed that uh, um, surveillance bill, but they changed it where we are, are protected by our Constitution. Uh, they, I, I saw they that they did, passed the, the surveillance bill, and to me that's bad but, news. But they, they didn't take uh, – I mean, they took away the immunity to the, to the uh, telecommunications. Mm-hmm. 
So now they don't have the protection. But anyway, uh, they said the people are protected now. As a matter of fact, uh, Lee got up there. Uh, Lee who? Sheila Jackson Lee. And I tell you what, she said, we're going to protect our Constitution. Who? Now, Sheila Jackson Lee. She's Sheila in Texas. Sheila Jackson Lee. Excellent. And she said that we're going to protect our Constitution. I mean, you would have been so proud of her when he listened to what she said. I mean, she just told him right to their face. It seems like they pay a lot of lip service to the Constitution, and, and they, they don't do a very good job of protecting it. This surveillance bill. Well, they did, they did yesterday. Okay. Today. Uh, well, and I mean, this really was great. And I mean, they changed everything. It even took the immunity weight from the telecommunications. You know, um, I, I I hear you that it's a slightly better um, surveillance oh, bill yeah. than it was a previously. But it, to me, it's it's once again it, it's 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 kind of like a, a better stage of cancer. Um, and you know, it, it's still really well, awful. The thing is, I told him, I said they'll leave you know lose their job if they you know if they go against the Constitution. Paula, you know, one one thing I was hoping for in this call is um, I was hoping that you might have a question for Stefan. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, about this free state project, yeah. Well, go go right ahead then. I mean, I want to know, I mean, what what information can I get to to get to our representative besides the website? There you go, go, Stefan. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Thanks for calling, Paula. (laughs) (laughs) It's freestateproject.org in case anyone knows, but... Thanks for calling, Paula. I, <laughs> Paula's one of our chronic callers, and I just, I really wanted to have her on with you. And, you know, it, 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 it just gives me a warm feeling in my heart. What can I tell you? <laughs> anyway, um, we were uh, discussing different ways to, to sort of get to liberty, and, and um, you know, we, we seem to, to differ on them uh, ever so slightly. So, uh, what I'm, I guess I want to ask, Stefan, is, is, my philosophy of telling, you know, not talking to people about um, things like roads and, and police and stuff like that, just kind of giving them that we'll have a government, that government can control roads and police and, and, and those, those kind of things, giving them those concessions. Does that mean that I advocate, advocate violence against my neighbor? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, even, even though I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, pussyfooting around on that particular issue. No, but I mean, I think it would be important to ask yourself why you would do that, and I'm sure you have. So why do you not bring that particular topic up with certain people? Well, I guess that uh, I just don't, you know, it, it, it's, for one, with roads, I think that uh, it may be eminent domains and necessity in, in the building of roads. Many, many people disagree with me. There's been private roads, um, all kinds of instances of private roads. And I know I'm going to get the libertarians in the audience sending me, um, you know, all kinds of links showing me these things. I happen to know that there have been instances of private roads. But it seems like if they, if you know, that eminent domain might be necessary for the building of roads. I think the government's been in, implicit in, uh, uh, you know, eliminating the ability for flying cars. I mean, we essentially could have flying cars now if it wasn't for the FAA out there telling people they can't have them. Well, but you know that the history of the American Republic is replete with examples of how eminent domain completely messed up roads oh, yeah. and rails. Eminent domain is a right, disaster. The, the politicians would put, instead of going in a straight line, they'd do this big, you know, this big, crazy, wavy line because they'd have to go and drop on an, drop the road or the um, uh, the rail off in the town of their constituents, of the people who gave them money, right? So eminent domain seems to cause far more problems, even at a sort of practical economic level, than it would ever solve as far as road building goes because as soon as you put politics in the mix, you know, it, it, economic efficiency goes right out the window and then it's just you know, rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies, and that doesn't help anybody. Well, you make a good case there. What can I say? Um, but let me ask you, if you don't mind, because I know you've been asking a lot of questions, what was, what was your big 
Like, how, how long did it take for you to kind of wake up to this kind of stuff? And do you remember what the key thing was? Was it an economic argument or was it a moral argument or was it something else that turned you or, or woke you up to this, you know, your life's work? Well, I guess um, I, I, I was essentially a Rush Limbaugh Republican out there back when, uh, you know, I was I was a Republican when Republicans weren't cool. You know, before uh, you know, they managed to take over the House, I started listening to Rush in the very early 90s, maybe 90, 91. And um, I, I, the things that he said really sounded right to me because he was talking about all kinds of small government issues at the time. And... Social issues have never been that important to me. Um, they're, they're not where, you know, for me, it's taxes. That's the issue, taxes. And, I, I you know, that, that's sort of how I met Ian. Ian was a, uh, you know, libertarian, and his issue was pot. And, <laughs> you know, he wanted to be free on pot. And, uh, you know, he was a friend of mine at uh, the radio station. And I'd go in and talk to him because this smart guy, philosophical, wanted to talk to um, talk about these things. And then we'd get on the air, and uh, when we first started out, I was pretty much a rushy. And I, I, I never thought it made much sense to uh, throw people in jail for smoking pot, but eh, so what? <laughs> um, and so just essentially hearing the arguments and the consistency behind the libertarian message while on the air for over the last five years, six years, how long have we been on the air? Long time. Um, it, 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 it sunk in, and now I'm to the point essentially where I think that you know that the the only kind of government that makes any kind of sense is the very smallest of governments, and that the uh, United States government is just too far gone. There's no way to save it. Um, there's there's too much money involved, and and there's no way that we little people are ever going to have any kind of uh, say. So the best thing to do is just break away. As far as uh, you know, the state should just break away and and uh, you know go its own way. Stefan, we lose him. Maybe. Well, they must have, must have. Well, that was Stefan Molyneux. <laughs> um, Russell, what was your move? Because I know you were sort of a, the Republican type, too. Yeah, I was going to tell him that uh, Stefan and I can uh, team up on you tonight since we're both non-political guys. So we can, uh... But yeah. now he's gone, so you killed him. I well, I, I don't know where he went, but uh, you yeah, know. maybe you'll show up again. We, uh, were, we were going to draw, you know, it, this it was going to be his last segment anyway, so... I, I don't know what to say. Maybe he had an emergency at home. Yeah, lots of us have taken different paths. I wonder what his has and uh, how far we've all gone down those paths of, uh, you know, for me, I was the same way. I, I, I'd like to listen to a guy like Rush Limbaugh and say, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want personal freedom and that sort of thing. Of course, I, obviously, a guy like Rush has not walked down the path as far as we have and has stuck with the bad guys for too long. Well, um, you know, that's what politics is about, is rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. And once the Republicans got in, it was uh, the lure of big government was just too much for them, and they, 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 they couldn't uh, do without. So, yeah. boy, you know, um, they're, they've shown themselves to be, in, in my opinion, no better than Democrats and, and therefore can't be trusted. And so I am a member of the Republican Liberty Caucus, but I don't just vote down the line Republican like I used to. Yeah. And uh, you don't vote at all, is that correct? Yeah, I gave up a little while ago. <laughs> and um, in in Ke- the last time I voted it was recently in Keene, and we told them, "Hey, let's sell a building and save some money," and they didn't do it. So, I, I guess I learned my lesson. They don't listen to us. Yeah, that's it's true. It does seem like the the political process is controlled, and even voting doesn't seem to do anything. Yeah, yeah, they want you to voluntarily act like this is all working out for you, and you know, voluntarily pay taxes, all this kind of stuff. Well, I'm getting the impression that we should be in a break right now, but I don't don't hear any uh, uh, commercials. I don't um, know what's going on. We're apparently having some kind of technical difficulty. How much time do we have? Is somebody on the line? 
uh, there's nobody on the line. We um, and we are, you know, into the uh, the time frame where a break should be. So I'm I'm somewhat confused. Interesting. So people could be listening to us or not. Yeah. <laughs> I sus- I suspect that they are. I believe how much you can you save go. over. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Mark, and you're listening to Free Talk Live, and I'm here with Russell. Excellent, and um, you can give us a call about anything you'd like to give us a call about, and you can also get updated at updates.freetalklive.com. Just enter your email address in there. You won't get spammed. Just every once in a while, we, we send out some little important tidbits of information about the show that you might want to know. Another thing you'll want to know is that. Uh, SACL CAI, CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's know, SACL knows that the way that they treat your customer reflects on you, and their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. And uh, I'm here with Russell, and Russell, I... I one of the one of the things we're going to do tonight is actually talk about some issues, and we were having uh, so many calls and talking to Stefan about so many things that we haven't talked about any of the issues. And I've got a news story here about a woman who was forgot for four, forgotten for four days in a tiny cell from Springdale, and I believe this is in Arkansas. Hour after hour for four four full days, Adriana Torres Flores, what rhymes, was locked away and forgotten in an eight-and-a-half by nine-and-a-half-foot cell in Washington County Courthouse with only a metal table, two benches, and a light bulb that never went out. That's no bed, no potty, okay? Um, the, she had nothing to eat or drink, and there was no toilet, as I said. Thursday passed, then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, although Torres had no watch to tell the time she slept on the floor with her head on a shoe. She drank her own urine, she said. Panicked and afraid she would die, Torres Flores pounded on the steel door with her hands and feet and yelled. No one heard her. The threat of snow had thinned the, um, had thinned the courthouse staff on Friday. The building was closed all weekend. It was Monday morning before the bailiff, who had put her in the holding cell, intending to have her taken to jail, opened the door and realized his mistake. Jared... Hankins of Elkins, only two months on his job as a bailiff, was too devastated Monday to talk about it, his mother said. He's a broken man right now, Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder had said. Hankins, who is on administrative leave, became distracted by other duties and forgot about Torres Flores, the sheriff said Monday, because the single detention cell is hidden behind a hallway on the fourth floor of the courthouse and no part of the jail with, um, with a staff. There was no one to check on her. Torres Flores, 38, of Springdale, went to court Thursday for a hearing on a plea uh, agreement related to her December arrest and a charge of selling pirated music. Wow. Yeah. Um, Apparently she did so, they were in the form of CDs, at uh, the Pleasant Flea Market in Springdale, but she pleaded innocent. When Judge William Story remanded her to custody of violation of the condition of her bail... I mean, you know, what, what so happened? She was in the system. Yeah, what they happened? They knew she was there. It's so, it's so ludicrous to me, this, uh, this, this need to hold people in jail. She's not going to run away for not, you know, uh, for, 
for, for making fake CDs or whatever. She's not leaving the country. You put a warrant out for arrest if you want to uh, if she doesn't show up for court. It's easy. Well. Defendants are held in a in the cell in such situations. The sheriff explained. Usually, however, the bailiff notifies the Washington County Sheriff's Office to send someone over to take the prisoner to jail, where they have beds and potties. By the way, her attorney. Nathan Lewis of Fayetteville, who will make this into a huge issue, I'm sure, said he is um, left believing that Torres Flores would be taken to jail to await an April 1st trial on the case. Police said she was an illegal alien and faces deportation by the federal immigration authorities. After being treated at Washington, she probably wants to leave now. After being treated at Washington Regional Medical Center, Torres Flores was at home Monday evening. So they let her finally let her go because they made such a mistake. Yeah. She's recuperating in a bed in the front room of her tiny Springdale house. She described her ordeal uh, through her 14-year-old daughter, Adriana Torres uh, Diaz, who is uh, bilingual. When she first went there, she thought they were going to see her, the girl said. She assumed that she was being taken care of, but hours passed and no one came. Like in the afternoon, she noted that no one came by. Her mother had not eaten breakfast before court on Thursday, Adriana said. She had no food in her pockets and no water to drink. She had to use the bathroom on the floor. She said she was so thirsty she had to drink her own urine, her daughter said. She was feeling like she was going to die. Her husband, Cruz Torres, who is unemployed, said that he thought that his wife was um, <clears throat> excuse me, safely in jail and he had no reason to worry. Her attorney said that she was gathering uh, details and had yet to talk with Torres Flores by Monday evening. It's horrible. Horrible situation that he said. Torres Flores said um, she had her jacket, but it was cold. There was a slit in the window of the steel door in the cell, but it was behind a wooden door that opens to the fourth floor hallway of the courthouse near uh, Story's chambers. That's the judge. Story was not in the courthouse on Friday. He went to Little Rock to file for re-election. He was busy. <laughs> wow. Torres Flores said she never heard any sounds on the other side of the cell's cinder block walls. Even when people were passing um, Thursday, Helder and Major uh, Rick Hoyt said they were unsure how many people walked past the hall Thursday or Friday, though story was off on Friday, some of the other courthouse staff members were there. Helder promised a thorough investigation and new safeguards, perhaps a video camera in the cell, to prevent a similar occurrence. Such a mistake had never happened before at the courthouse, although he believed that a janitor cleaning the cell had once gotten locked in by mistake. <laughs> in a written statement, the sheriff, along with story and Washington County Judge Jerry Horton, assured the immediate measures have been taken to ensure this does not happen again. You know, it, it's, it, isn't it shocking? Well, once you start locking people up, mistakes can happen. Right. And, I and mean, it gets, it's so permanent. Right. I don't, I guess I don't have any problem locking up people that are really violent and dangerous, uh, but it, it, we've gotten to the point where we just don't give people bonds and we don't release them on their rec own reconnaissance because we have this system, this uh, institution that we, uh, you know, these jails make money by having people there. They want people in there. And so they don't release anyone. This woman was selling fake CDs, allegedly. And there's no reason to have locked her up, uh, period. So this mistake shouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, I guess you lock up over money issues. You want some money and stuff like that. And Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, we got a call. Jeff from Missouri. Jeff? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. I'm used to that little swoosh. Well, on the, on the regular, you know, when you pick up on the other radio programs. Okay. I don't know. know. <laughs> it's a little staticky sound before you. But anyway, back to the topic I was talking about about the uh, the story that broke the other night about Obama's uh, pastor. 
Yeah, I've I've heard uh, I heard it. All the Republican talking heads are talking about how bad this man is. Yes. Oh, so you think uh, it's a. Uh... Okay, that a uh, someone says that the uh, HIV virus was uh, created to wipe out blacks. You think that's good to say? Okay, I, I don't know that it's true. I do think that there have been eugenics programs in the United States. Um, I, I, I do. I think it's okay to say that HIV was uh, created for that purpose. It seems like you know, it's it, kind of funny because it's wiping out everyone. Yeah, it is. Well, maybe we should put him in jail and see what happens if he gets locked in by accident. The preacher. <laughs> I'm not saying he needs to be locked up or anything like that. I'm well, just saying. Well, what should what should happen to him? <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying that you don't go to a church like that without agreeing with some of the views of of the. Like I wouldn't go to an Aryan Nation white church mm-hmm. because I don't I don't agree with their views. I I and and I would concur with you on that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I heard, the, the big quote is, uh, they tell us to, God bless America, and I say, God damn America. You know, like he was uh, doing that uh, that sort of black preacher cadence thing that's really fun to listen to. But, um, you know, it, it's a shocking statement, the whole God damn America thing that um, he was saying. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with some of the stuff the preacher was saying. I, I do think that we have an institutional system set up that uh, seems to target blacks over whites. Um, as far as crime goes, would you agree with that? I would. I would say there are some people that do that. I don't say it's the system. I would say that there are some people in the system that does it. Well, um, you know, I, I, I'd say that that's probably pretty accurate. Those people are part of the system, so I guess me saying that systemic is uh, might not be entirely. Accurate. I'm not saying it's the system itself. I'm saying there are some people right. in the system that abuses it. Okay. Well, I, I'd have to agree. Thanks, Jeff. You can give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CA line. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's my show. My name is Mark. This is Russell. And uh, talking about the issues. You can go to freetalklive.com and uh, check out the wiki. It's a... a user editable web page it's uh you can do whatever you want there on the wiki you can create all kinds of pages and there's neat stuff to read i think there's like 500 pages of content in the wiki at wiki.freetalklive.com and are you looking for an intellectual challenge this summer join students from around the world at a free summer seminar sponsored by the institute for humane studies hear lectures on top um, from top ta- faculty and discuss the ideas of liberty and their current applications to get more information go to libertarianseminars.com that's libertarianseminars.com and it's really set up for people about college age so uh you know if you're not college age like I'm not then well it's not really set up for you but yeah you might contact them anyway libertarianseminars.com and our last caller was um Jeff from uh, Missouri, and he wanted to talk about Obama's church and his preacher and all the hubbub. And I guess I wasn't sufficiently outraged uh, for Jeff, and I, I can kind of understand because everybody on the radio is thoroughly outraged uh, about this preacher. But yeah, kind of the way I see it is, um, there's always something that comes out. You know, there's the McCain and the 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 lobbyist, and and there was the illegitimate black child of McCain in the last election, and you know they they're always whipping out these cards and trying to dig up the dirt on these politicians. And as far as I'm concerned, they're already dirty. Whatever you're telling me, it doesn't really matter because I already believe that they're dirty. I know that Barack Obama um, is a tried and true pinko socialist. He's the most liberal member of Congress, and 
I've seen his voting record. I don't really care what his uh, preacher says or where he goes to church. If that's what it takes for some people not to vote for him, okay. But what are we going to get if you don't vote for Barack Obama? We're going to have a president elected in November, right? Yeah. We're going to have somebody going to be elected. Now, either George Bush is going to stick around in a situation of martial law, which I don't think he's going to do, or we're going to get McCain, Clinton, or Obama, or Paul. Those are the people that are left in the race. Now, if you listen to the major mainstream media, they say Paul's out, but Ron Paul has not thrown uh, thrown in the towel quite yet. I It, it seems likely that we will either get um, Clinton, Obama, or McCain. Those those seem like the choices. And to me, you're, wh- what you're looking at there is a choice between Otilla the Hun, uh, Joseph Stalin, or Adolf Hitler. I mean, I, 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 they're not that bad, but they're not that good either. These are uh, these are people that want to grow the size of the government. They either want to use the government to kill people, or they want to use the government to solve all your problems, which means that um, increase in taxes, and taxes are, as far as I'm concerned, a threat against me, uh, a threat of violence, because they'll throw me in jail or they'll take my house away, depending on the type of tax. So I guess I'm I'm just nonplussed by the whole you know oh his preacher said this he's a bad man he's been going to that preach for that that church for twenty years I, I whatever he keeps getting elected senator even though they know what church he goes to right and it just goes to show how uh, thoroughly the uh, the Illinois media is is, is uh, you know looking at what's <laughs> going on there uh, he's been elected senator now uh, they didn't they didn't check this stuff then. Does that mean that all of our senators are as you know questionable as Barack Obama is? Maybe. Do you do you have a favorite among the three? By the way, Russell, I know that uh, you know. A lot of those. It's a, no, it's a tough, tough. Well, question. you know what? I'd have to say. I mean, Hillary scared me for years, so <laughs> that she'd be the worst. So you, uh, McCain. Maybe McCain wouldn't be as bad. I don't know. See, I, if if I had I to pick one, and and at this point we're talking about a gun to the head scenario here, I think I like Clinton better because. Sure, she'll institute socialized medicine, but McCain wants to go around the world starting wars with new people. It really seems like to me. Like mm. I think we'll attack Iran if McCain, <laughs> um, if if we don't haven't attacked Iran Maybe he by the time to be on a battleship. Yeah, <laughs> it just seems seems to me that he thinks he can bring peace to the world by killing people, and I think that's a very bad system. I don't know. I mean, if, you know, it it it's really it. All of our choices are awful. You know, Obama is about change, so I'm kind of excited. Now that yeah, yeah, really. Change, great. <laughs> More socialism. <laughs> that's change. Um, we got Osborne in Ohio calling in. Osborne? Hello? Hello. Hey, buddy. Hey, you know, Good you were you. supposed to be here co-hosting the show with me tonight. Yeah, I know. I hate to be on this side of the telephone, but uh, if it makes you feel any better, I'm hyped up on painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> are you feeling better? Uh, not quite. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. At any rate, I uh, just want to talk about this uh, Obama preacher business. Uh, the last caller uh, attempted to claim that uh, there's not a systematic or systemic bias against black people by the uh, police and prison uh, industry. And uh, if you'll remember, uh, was it two weeks, four weeks ago, the statistics came out uh, on the uh, the prison population. Right. And not only of... are one out of 99 Americans uh, in prison, yeah. but one out of every 10 black males is in prison. Right. One the out of the evidence 10? seems to show they're after them. Yeah. I mean, now, I didn't, you know, run the statistical analysis, but I know that one out of 10 is really, really different than one out of 99. 
Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big difference. <laughs> and if you start looking at the 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 proper age groups, t- say take uh, fifteen to twenty five um, black males in that age group, fifteen to twenty five, you'll find out that it's closer to like one in three. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, I've heard I've heard one in four, and that was about ten years ago. I suspect it's only gone up from there. Yeah, um, so, so that's I'm just extrapolating insanity. one one in three at that point. So I'm with you, man. I, I don't really have any beef with anything that this preacher was saying as far as uh, you know, delineating some of the problems that exist. And uh, I don't really have a problem with him saying, damn America, because I say that on a daily basis. Do you well, think Obama thinks that? or what, do, I, uh, do I care? No. Well, okay. <laughs> well I, I don't like... <clears throat> he did seem to be elevating black people above white people, and I don't like racism in any form, and I think that most no. Americans, most white Americans, feel the same as I do, that they don't like racism, period. So when you sure. talk and, black racism, it, it raises their ire because that's, you know, that's what they are. They're white. And that's the entire problem with the apparatus of government, though. In the, in the free market, we have to engage with one another on a voluntary basis mm-hmm. to further our ends uh, mutually. But when you have government, then it pits us all against one another to take each other's stuff by force. You know, well, that, that's what the black philosopher W.E.B. Du Bois said, is that uh, the only way for us, that would be the black people, to uh, be on the same uh, level as white people is to do business with them. And that's voluntary interactions. Correct. Yep. I was picturing uh, playing basketball when you do that stat. It's like you're playing pickup basketball and you're five on five and then you just the cops come and take one of them. Now I can't play basketball. That sucks. <laughs> well, you know, it it it's got to be it's got to be tough. And you know the um the the black population has you know they're they're scared of the police. And I I don't I don't uh, I am blame too. them. Yeah. <laughs> I I I I'm not scared of the police. It, they you know they normally they don't bother me because I you know. I'm a good-looking white guy. I wear generally a tie. You are a sexy man, Mark. I am a beautiful oh, man. No. They don't generally bother me unless I go out there um, looking for them. In one case, I uh, was doing a little filming on the street and sassed a police officer when he told me that I, I had to move along. I'm like, if you don't want your be filmed, you shouldn't be on a public street, officer. But, you know, whatever. Well, thanks for the call, Jason. All right, no problem. All right. Jason does not sound like he's uh, thinking that Obama will fix all those problems. No, I don't think Obama's going to fix those problems. I, I, I do. I am concerned, like some um, white Americans, that Obama might fix, you know, might might try to use the government to fix problems for the blacks, which will, of course, create more problems and, you know, for the whites. And I don't like that. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy. Well, I'm, hello. Hello. Hey, glad you're back, Ian. This is Mark. Or Mark, I thought. Oh Ian no, was they're there. stabbing us in the back. You'll have you'll have Ian <laughs> you'll have Ian on Monday, Jeremy. Glad to have you guys too. I I just wanted to say that I know it's violent and all, and I'm a, pretty much against violence too. But I think uh, what Attila the Hun did for the people at the Western Roman Empire by taking that empire down, and look how the people flourished after that for all those years, you know. So I think. I'd have, I know it's kind of fantasy, and I just got through playing this video game that went through all Attila's, you know, uh, his conquering campaign and everything. Mm-hmm. I think he would make a great president right now because <laughs> I think I, I'm against violence too, but I think that's the only thing that's uh, violent revolution is probably going to be the only way to restore. That it, might has, be. it has been the history of uh, humankind. 
And isn't, uh, well, maybe like Mark was saying, maybe that's what uh, McCain wants for a violent revolution for Iran. <laughs> I don't know. Not I, for here. I've got to say that I, I don't, have, you know, Attila certainly subjugated uh, the, uh, you know, these different lands. And then they had a lot of internal conflicts in uh, southwestern Asia where he was sort of from and he had to return and put down rebellions and, and things like that. And so... They they got left on their own to rule themselves in smaller groups, and I guess that's a good thing. Jeremy, thanks for the call. Um, you can call in and talk about anything you want. Obviously, we're talking about Attila the Hunt. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. It's my show. My name's Mark. This is Russell. And uh, we can, you can call in about anything you'd like. Talk about it on my show, 1-800-259-9231. And if you happen to be, oh, someplace where the show's coming in staticky or it's difficult for you to get, there's a live stream. Two sizes. You can uh, use the broadband stream or the dial-up stream, and it's at freetalklive.com. And uh, we, you know, it's call about your shows, or excuse me, it's a show about your call, so we'll uh, we'll take a call here from Mike. Mike, you there? I'm here. So what what do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about, uh, I actually wanted to talk to Ian, but I forgot he wasn't here tonight, and uh, I probably won't get a chance to call in for another few days. Um, I am, uh, I don't know if all, all your listeners know, I'm down here in northern Georgia, up in the mountains, and I am... Uh, in the middle of through-hiking the Appalachian Trail. So uh, have you hiked from Maine to Georgia? Because that's no, where it going, ends, right? I'm going from Georgia to Maine. So you're beginning um, your hike. Uh, I'm beginning a hike. Okay. I started on Tuesday up at uh, Springer Mountain, and to noon today I've made about 20 miles to, to Woody Gap up here, and I'm uh, staying in a hostel here for hikers overnight, and I'll probably hit it again tomorrow sometime. Are there any hostile hikers in the hostel? <laughs> oh, yes. It, it's full. Full of hostile hikers at the <laughs> hiker we had, hostel. We had gotcha. some uh, bad weather roll in, so uh, everybody kind of uh, got off the trail and. What qualifies as bad weather in, uh, in Georgia? Um, well, for, for the trail, bad weather is, is heavy rain, thunderstorms, uh, lightning. Uh, when you're up on those mountains, I mean, there's nothing between you and the lightning. So. I see. Well, it, it would be bad to die from lightning. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to bad weather in Florida, and it's nothing compared to bad weather in New Hampshire. I can assure you of that. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's not. So, um, anything happen, interesting happen on your uh, 20 mile hike? Well, it's, uh, like I said, it's been 20 miles so far over over the last three days. Um, the main interesting thing is it's it's up and down and up and down, and, and there are some steep sections. I mean, you've got to really climb. Are you it, using your hands at all, or climbing with your legs? Um, on occasion, there's there's not really it's it's a little bit rocky in places, but but uh, mostly just walking. Um, I haven't had to use my hands at all, except to steady myself on a tree branch or something. But uh, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, what made you want to undertake the Appalachian Trail? I mean, it, it does sound interesting, and I've, I've thought about it, but then I think, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, I've been wanting to do this for years, and, and the reason is it's it's kind of an extreme challenge because it's going to take five, six, possibly seven months to do it. Yeah. And it's 
it's just a constant physical workout. And a, but even the physical stuff aside, the, the real workout is mental. I mean, you've got to have a mindset of being able to persist at something and keep your mind focused and accomplish something humongous. And so, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, I, you know, you absolutely do have to stick with it, and you know, otherwise, you're obviously not going to make it. And that's that's got to be the hardest part. Now, how are you? Uh, whence do you get food? Uh, do you sharpen up sticks and like poke bears and then eat them, or what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, mainly, um, mainly what what we what hikers do on the trail here is they'll stop every every few days. There'll be a town nearby that you just go into town and uh, raid the grocery store. So you don't and have to beg food from other hostile hikers? No, no. Okay. And you're carrying all your food, huh? Well, at least a week's worth. Wow. I couldn't carry a week's worth of food. I eat so much more than that. Is that just it? <laughs> food and and a and a thing to sleep on? Well, you got the the food, the sleeping bag, the tent. Um I've got a video camera with me, which I'll be uploading some video uh in the next day or two. I, possibly. I tonight. hope that video camera makes the whole trip. <laughs> The video camera will will probably make it. I don't know. Um, I'm also uh, surprising everyone by bringing a laptop with me, but uh, I'm surprised. It's it's it it it's well, you know, it's it's weight that you have to carry. But uh, you know, whenever I get to a, a town or a hostel or something, I can I can get online and, and update people and upload pictures. I I just posted an update on my website. What's that website? It's I O E R R O R dot U S. It sounds like uh, the the line from Old McDonald's uh, had a farm. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What is I O error dot U S. I O error dot U S. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Well, thanks for the update, Mike. Oh yeah. Hi Russell. Hi, <laughs> yeah. So Didn't so when you were uh, guest hosting tonight well, with the hostels, how do you make phone calls? These are oh, really I've, really luxury. I, I got really lucky and got and managed to get a cell phone signal here, but most of the most of the time there is no cell phone service. Oh, that makes sense. Well, and, have, uh, have fun. It, it, it's still frozen here, so. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's about uh, fifty degrees here. It got up to seventy-five yesterday. That's not, <laughs> and, that uh, sounds good. We'll save the res- We'll save the weather report. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Bye. Oh, you're very welcome. Bye. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I've I've uh, considered hiking the Appalachian Trail, but you know, it just it, it seems like such a commitment and I'm uh I'm glad that we're getting a few updates here and there from Mike. Well, Russell, I wanted to talk about a news story and um it it seems that a, a US city, Yuma, Arizona, decides has decided to build a moat in order to keep out immigrants. Uh-huh. Think that'll work? Well, I don't know how big is the moat. <laughs> Let me read here. There have been virtual fences, real fences, increased patrols, night vision cameras, and now the latest incentive by the U.S. is to seal its increasingly porous border with Mexico harks back to the oldest of approaches. Dig a moat. City officials in Yuma in southwestern Arizona have come up with a scheme to create a security channel along the nearby border by reviving a derelict two-mile stretch of the Colorado River. Uh-huh. Moats that have... Uh, um, that, that I've seen circled castles and allowed you to protect yourself, and that's kind of what we're looking for here, Yuma County uh, Sheriff Ralph Ogden told the uh, Associated Press. The scheme would see engineers dig out a two-mile-wide stretch of 180, uh, 440 acres, wetland uh, area known as Hunter's Hole. 
Once a haven uh, to anglers, ducks, and the Cocopa Indians, the area is now a thicket of tamarisk, whatever that might be, uh, forgotten shoes, old cars, providing cover for smugglers and uh, border crossers. But under the plan, that would uh, change. The banks of the river would be replanted with native cattail, bulrush, and mesquite. And uh, wells would supply water to the wetland as well as to a 20-meter-wide, 3-meter-deep channel that would run the length of Hunter's Hole. With the replenished river making the frontier, would-be border crossers would have to scale a 4.5-meter levee uh, built with the earth excavated from the riverbed, cross a 120-meter-wide marsh, and then ascend another levee in the uh, northern side of the wetlands. In order to restore Hunter's Hole, we're going to have to secure it, a border agent told, uh, agent said Carlos Dominguez. The moat plan has won broad local backing. Unlike other border security schemes, which have uh, angered environmentalists and landowners, in Texas, more than 100 landowners have resisted government efforts to build a fence across the land. Environmentalists have launched a lawsuit to block fence construction on the border in Naco in eastern Arizona. However, the Department of Homeland Security is under a strict timetable to build 670 miles of new fencing by the end of the year. With failed efforts to build a virtual or electronic barrier, attention again is focused on physical barriers. As well as uh, illegal immigration, the desolation of many border areas has attracted criminal activity. The 23-mile stretch of the Colorado River runs along... Oops. Lost my page there. It runs along, let's see, um, Yuma, uh, let's see, runs along the Mexican border near Yuma and has uh, seen two murders since 2004, 250 armed robberies in the last two years. It's the United States, but it's become a no man's land, an area where bodies are dumped, where people and drugs are smuggled over the border, said Ogden. Backers of the Yuma plan, more than 30 local groups, including the Border Patrol and the city's uh, elected officials, hope that Hunter's Hole will mimic the model of other local wetland areas rescued from dereliction and crime and now provide bicycle paths and fishing. Do you think this will stop immigration there, into, uh, illegal immigration into Yuma? Well, maybe they'll have to just go around it. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen, is they're just going to go around, just like all this other partial fencing that we're putting up. I mean, that was very strange. It, it's it's odd. If you're going to put up a fence, you'd have to put it up the whole length for it to do anything, and I don't recommend that. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. That's a SACL CA line. Call in. You're listening to Free Talk Live. My name's Mark. Russell. And uh, you can give us a call about anything you want to talk about at 800-259-9231. And you can check out the BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. It's a message board. It's got hundreds of thousands of posts, thousands of posters on there. You have a whole online community, and you can be a part of it if you'd like. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com. And we are completely irresponsible anything that goes on there. I bet they're talking about Stefan. <laughs> they, they could very well be uh, from uh, earlier in the show. <laughs> and the Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. And I just uh, um, 
just got started on uh, renewing my membership to the RLC, so I, I am a member, kind of like that organization. And uh, it's Call About Your Show, so we're going to go straight unscreen to the amp line. There you go, in a dial tone. Uh-oh. To the amp line. <laughs> Hello. You're Hello, on Free Talk Live. this is Chris in Atlanta. Hey, Chris. What'd you call about? I'm calling about uh, how far people should go when uh, speaking about liberty, and especially with, like, the uh, public interest research groups and such. The what? Research groups? Uh, the uh, Or political... Uh, Advocacy groups that support uh, more taxes towards, like, public transportation. Okay. Can you give me an example? Sure. Uh, like today, I was uh, walking home from work, and someone from the uh, Georgia PERG. Georgia PERG. Yeah, PERG. E-I-R-G. What is that? Uh, the Georgia Public Interest Research Group. Okay. <laughs> they have uh, groups around the country. I used to work for one, and I don't want this on the air, but I used to work for one in a massive. Yo, you're on the air. You are on the air. Oh, I'm on the air. Yes, okay. you are. <laughs> oh, Do not say anything on, on screen. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So go ahead. But, uh, you were talking uh, to the perg. I was talking to the pergs, and um, I, I let them go through their entire um, their, their entire spiel, which they get a, um, a hard copy of, where they have to memorize and they have to repeat it. Okay, so it's a like, there's sort of a little evangelist that goes out to talk to people. Right. Okay. A whole bunch. They send a whole group to a neighborhood, and then they go door knocking on doors, and then they have a group, you know, in the, uh, I guess, in the business district of the neighborhood, standing on a corner, mm-hmm. and you know, asking people to sign their uh, petition or to give them monthly donations. Gotcha. And so, what were they? What was the perg going for here? Uh, they wanted to increase cat. Uh, Increase federal taxes going towards um, uh, public transportation. Okay. And what I basically asked them was, um, do you support the initiation of force to further your, further your political and or social goals? And what did they say to this question? They probably just looked at you with big eyes at first. Exactly. Asked you to repeat it. What and, did you say? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then they go, oh, uh, no, of course not. No, and violence go, is bad. Exactly. Uh huh. And then I go. So uh, you don't want tax money to go toward this, towards this? And they go, of course we do. And so they and they, tw- they have a disconnect in their mind between tax money and violence. Exactly. And they didn't catch when I said or threat of. Mm-hmm. So uh, did I you explain to, to them that taxes are a threat of violence? Yes. And how? And what they did, wouldn't. Oh. What did they say to that? Uh, but what about the roads? <laughs> well, yeah, that's isn't it always the and roads? Was, they go to the roads. And it was always, you know, and then they just re- kept on repeating that as as many times as I tried to explain to them that private industry could handle the roads or any other could handle the roads not only as well, if not better. I guess, uh, you know, one thing that I have said to that in the past when I've, um, you know, dealt with the situation is, like, I, I, I agree that the roads we have are pretty good. I do think that the free market could do a better job in creating better roads, uh, especially with new, you know, competition being uh, brought in and, then, you know, new materials. Because you don't see much innovation when when you have the government involved in things because you don't have the free market involved. But 
are are roads so good that we want to threaten to take a, take away people's houses and threaten to put people in jail if they're not willing to pay for them? And, you know, that usually puts a, a bit of a stopper on them. My uh, The initiation of force, and, and when I try to explain that all taxes, and then I try to say uh, what would happen if you tried to, you know, uh, deduct the Iraq war, deduct the war in Afghanistan, deduct uh, the war on terror, period, from your taxes, what would happen if you disagreed with it? Uh, but, they got sort of stumbled on that. Yeah, that wouldn't really go well. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd then not be paying enough taxes, and you would be targeted by the IRS and uh, likely go to court and then have to pay some kind of fine or go to jail. Exactly. So, so did they get that? or? Uh... Uh, it sounded like they sort of did, but they were still stuck on the road. Yeah, so it, it takes a little while for people. It takes a little when while. I, you can't left, <laughs> Sorry, I, go ahead. I could see the wheels turning in their head. Well, that's good. It does seem to take so, a little while for people to get the concepts of uh, liberty. You can't just expect one conversation for them to go, bing, the light goes on, and suddenly, I'm a libertarian. Oh, yeah, but it almost did when I was working for, for uh, the Massachusetts equivalent of uh, Georgia Perg. How's uh, that? That was probably one of the... That was probably my uh, turning point in me becoming a libertarian. Well, tell me the story. Uh, I was basically uh, looking for a summer job. I went to school in Brattleboro, which is near uh, Keene, where y'all are, right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I went, when I got off for summer break, I went down to Massachusetts, where my um, uh, relative lives, and mm-hmm. I was staying with them over the summer. Looking for a summer job, and they had the posting, etc. I joined up, and basically we had to go around knocking on doors, and then got hired. Mm-hmm. Basically, we had to go around knocking on doors, giving the spiel about oil. And I'm going, I don't agree with this. Foil? Oil. Oil. Gotcha. Oil. About how the Bush administration was, you know, it was all the Bush administration's fault. And I'm no big fan of the Bush administration, but just I'm no too big much fan of you, politics, huh? period. It was just too much of putting blame on basically uh, the political system where, wait a minute, they were trying to use, they were trying to implement the political um, Congress to pass laws and such. And it's like, okay, isn't this sort of hypocritical? Y'all are just as much responsible, or sorry, they're Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, sorry, not Libertarians, but, yeah, you but know, the Democrats and the Republicans, they, they're just, it's just two sides of the same coin as far as I can tell. They all, you know, they, they want to enact violence upon you or threats of violence in the, in the uh, form of taxes for one system or another, whatever it is that they, they consider to be important or good at the time, whether it's running out and killing the Islamo-fascists or building a, a, a good system for public transportation so that we don't burn as much gasoline. Thanks very much for the call. And you can give us a call at freetalklive.com. It's 1-800-259-9231. And that's the SACL CAI Live. Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI line. You're listening to Mark. And Russell. And it's my show tonight. And uh, go check out the uh, live stream at freetalklive.com. Got two sizes there to fit anybody, whether it's broadband or dial-up. freetalklive.com. And 
Don't beg, don't fight, and don't depend on democracy. The only way to get your liberty is to build it yourself. Read Freedom Engineering, an anarcho-capitalist adventure series at www.freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. And uh, you know, I've read a little bit of it, and it's, it's going quite well, I would say. But this is a call about this is a show about calls, so let's uh, take a call from Indy in Connecticut. Indy. Hey, Mark. What's up, man? Oh, uh, and, and Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate how difficult talk radio is after uh, watching you guys on television last night and, uh, and listening to you host the show tonight. Yeah, it's uh, you know Ian's Ian's better at this than I am. Uh, there's there's no doubt about Are it. Are you I think... saying that Mark doesn't make it look easy? It's, oh, it's not I, seamless. I've hosted Internet Talk Radio myself. I was inspired by you guys, and yeah, it, it's tough. And listening to you, I feel a little bit better about the. Uh, the challenges that I had. Yeah, it's uh, you know maybe with a week's time or something under my belt, I'd get a little less, a uh, little little more seamless in this. But I'm still nervous with all like the the buttons and stuff. So I'm half thinking about buttons and not nearly thinking as much about uh, doing talk radio as as I am. And uh, you know, I even miss I my you. crazy I'm a crazy. Fan, so it's all good with me, man. No, it's no problem. Hey, hey, Russell, you you mentioned earlier that you don't vote anymore, and I just wanted to share a little personal experience about myself and maybe have you reconsider. Uh, I was kind of disenfranchised myself, and uh, because of Free Talk Live and some of the other people I've been associated with lately, I decided to take it upon myself to start um, getting involved in my own community and uh, local government, and I am, and I am you know, advocating the libertarian principles and I'm actually making some changes, and it's just going to get better, and hopefully I can move up the food chain a bit, uh, strictly for public service. I won't accept a paycheck if everyone is offered, and uh, just... Thought you might want to do the same. Associate with people and try and make changes from within. Changes within what? Changes within your local government to begin with. Oh, okay, with. gotcha. And then take it to state, national, beyond that. You know, it's, you know, it's hard because uh, for me, like even the local stuff, uh, I don't want to go through those long meetings. They're painful. I don't think I've ever, I could make it through one. <laughs> but you can? That's all I've been doing the past six months since I've been listening Man, to Free Man, they've Live. sucked in another guy. Oh, we've we've lost another. <laughs> See, I no, we're making changes though, man. There are like-minded people out there. You show up at the meetings, you meet them, and uh, you try and push your agenda, which is limited government and uh, responsible personal responsibility. Yeah, I I think that that's one of the, one of the ways certainly to go. I, I I've uh, haven't found too many people that have the integrity that Russell Canning does, and uh, I I like his system on everything except that he doesn't vote. And I got a system. Why do you not vote, Russell? Well, mostly for me. I mean, I voted not that long ago. I just figure it doesn't work. You just don't think it works. Now, is no. that because they're not counting the votes? Or? Well, that's the thing is uh, they don't count votes. They don't. Uh, they just don't care when they vote. I, I've hit that a bunch of times. We voted to, in California not to pay, give illegal immigrants money, and then they said, booey on you. We don't care. We're going to do it anyway. And, you know, it's for me, it was a bunch of steps like that. It feels to me like every person that uh, tries to tackle the government inside the system, it makes them happy because they use up your time. Russell, I'm a former Southern Californian. Um, I remember what you're talking about. And I moved to the East Coast, smaller state. It's easier to uh, make some changes. That's why the guys are doing it in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, that's that's the theory. And, you know, a guy like Thomas Jefferson said, uh, you know, if you keep splitting it smaller and smaller, it gets better. That's for sure. Your town's not as bad as the U.S. government, but it's still painful for me. Uh, I, for me, I've gone the big switch for me was uh, reading Tolstoy and saying, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, not going to 
defend myself, you know, against evil. So then I don't really have much use for participating in government. So that's what's really pushed me way over so the edge. So you're a pacifist. Yeah, some people could call me what, that. What's that mean to you, being a pacifist? Well, the idea that... Uh, you're certainly not quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's funny. You know, Just like people sometimes call us hippies or peaceniks or something like that. Man, I, I'm not a hippie. I'm not old enough. My parents weren't even hippies. Yeah, so. and you're a former Republican, so yeah. you know, not too many former Republican hippies. But that's what's pushed me over the edge is that I'm not hoping the government will get better or that if I got my way that that would be right. So then, then that really takes me out of the voting game. So you just but, live your life to be free. Yeah, but you know, it's obviously guys that are fighting for freedom inside of the system aren't really hurting me, and, and I might be wrong, so I shouldn't stop you. So... You know, that's, uh, We're on the same side, just approaching it from different angles. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Good guys. talking to you. Appreciate the call. And uh, going to Sam on the amplifier line. Sam? Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Uh, say say <laughs> three Hail, Hail Marys and an Our Father. I have to tell you my sin, though, don't I? Uh, well, I don't ahead. know how this goes. I've never done it. <laughs> I, I don't either. I'm not we Catholic. Don't, we, don't, we don't take confessions. I'm an, ethno, an ethnic uh, uh, Methodist. Ah, okay. Well, you're no help. Yeah, that's uh, that's like a Baptist that can read. So it's after, my favorite uh, line from a river run through, <laughs> runs through it. After evangelizing Ron Paul and spreading his message to people, mm-hmm. I didn't vote for him in the uh, Texas primaries. Oh, I, I, I take back that uh, absolution of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened? I, well, I mean, it, it ended, I ended up being out of town on the day of the election in Colorado. Oh. and um, So it just wasn't important enough for Exactly. You. That's it. I mean, I didn't bother to figure out the process for early voting. and uh, But I think it, I don't think it was by, you know, accident that I did that. I, of course I don't. Yeah, that's, um, all our actions are, you know, be, you know, from our motivations. You got if it. If you really cared about it, you'd sit there and, you know, you'd be there the first guy there and stuff like that. I guess. I mean, uh, voting voting doesn't pay you, and, and uh, hopefully, were you out of town on a business trip? Yeah, um, well, yeah, sort of. I went snowboarding, too. Well, I mean, on your business trip, you went snowboarding? Yeah. Because you happened to be someplace that you could go snowboarding? Yeah, that was It wasn't in day. Texas? I, so. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to give you absolution for this one. Mm, I've I, heard... I, I just... I, for me, I really think I, I didn't put forth the effort because the more I've looked into politics, the more disgusted I am by it. And You're not turning into a Russell Canning, are you? I, I think I already am. We're, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> I, on that I, mean, same path. I don't know. It's, um, it's hard for me to endorse a system. Uh, the closer I look at it, the more I see how it works and how it runs. and Would it have helped if Ron Paul was ahead at the time? Well, hold, <laughs> hold on. As far as voting being an endorsement of the system, I would like to confront that particular statement. Okay. I, don't invor- I, don't, I don't think that voting is an endorsement of the system any more than I think that uh, shooting a, uh, a robber is an endorsement of robbery. Okay? Um, it, voting is a defensive Wait, act. Wait, well, you're shooting a robber in defense of a robbery. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Right. I'm, I'm not defending robbery. I don't think robbery is a good thing, but I'm liable to hurt a robber that is uh, threatening me or my family, likely my family, um, because, you know, he's enacting violence. And so I'm going to use violence on him. I don't think that violence is a is uh, me saying advocating violence. I think it's defending myself. Yeah, Mark, and I'm coming at it more from the uh, perspective of uh, by putting my energy towards it and focusing on it, I'm expanding that and making it bigger because 
you know, more people will get in there and pay attention and so forth. Um, and I just, I don't want to do that because so, I don't believe I can't that. argue with that. So you went from spending a lot of time talking about Ron Paul to not even wanting to take a few moments to check a so box. You put no, your no, no, energy... No. I still talk about him. I, I would still do <laughs> stories on him because... But that's putting your energy into it. <laughs> well, because I think in a way that it wakes people up to um, the the foundations for the ideas of liberty and at least gets them, moves them that much closer than they were before they found Ron Paul. Hmm. That makes sense. It does. I, 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 um, your actions don't entirely make well, sense. Well, and you to could me. also uh, talk Not in about. Alignment, a, huh? You could also talk about a person who believes in freedom, who's not running for government. Then, then you wouldn't have this mix-up. Right. Russell doesn't believe in voting, but I almost never hear him talk about Ron Paul when he brings it up. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. Free Talk Live, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Thanks for calling in, Sam. You can give us right, call bye-bye. and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. You're listening to Free Talk Live. My name's Mark. I'm Russell. And uh, we're taking your calls. So you, if you can squeeze one in real quick, we might be able to get it in. But, uh, Russell, I've got an email I wanted to talk about. It was uh, it's, it's from uh, a guy I know, but um, he, called, he wrote, wrote in to ask a question, and I thought I'd get your take on it. I've had a few things come up at work lately, and I thought I'd bounce a few ideas off you. Feel free to read this on air if you'd like. Uh, first name only, though. It's Michael. <laughs> and I'm working for a company that does supplies and equipment for the healthcare field. There are several problems at work, some involving safety issues. These problems arise due to the fact that the owner has no regard for the laws, regulations, and standards he's supposed to be following. Now, I can hear saying, um, saying he doesn't either. Uh, he doesn't have any regard for those bad laws also. But some of these actually deal with safety and not getting people killed. There's also no... Um, Adherence to the standards set by the third party, independent standard organizations, uh, this is jointcommission.org, that they're certified by. The company owner does not care to address these issues because it would create more work. In fact, he's sometimes the cause of these issues. None of these problems will be dealt with until the owner feels that it will be detrimental to his businesses. Customers don't see these problems right now. And I'm currently looking for a different job and wondering what I can or should do about uh, where I work now, so uh, I guess it's a situation where the the owner's got a uh, kind of a dangerous work environment going on, and, and he's getting ready to leave, and he, and he has uh, three thoughts that of things that he might do um, on his way out. So leave this job and do nothing. Nothing changes, and eventually someone get, gets hurt or dies. Two, leave this job and notify the certifying agency. The company gets audited and most likely will be given 30 days, maybe 60, to come into compliance. Considering how far out of compliance they are, it's not likely that they'll be able to get compliant in such a short time, and the certification is therefore pulled, and this leaves us with little or no customers. Us, It's not us anymore, by the way, Michael. It's uh, them, because you will have left at that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> leaves them with no customers, since uh, they are not certified by anyone. The possibility exists that some uh, federal age federal regulatory agency is then notified uh, by the you know regulating the the, the private uh, yeah. joint commission.org and uh, one would also assume that all those people at that you know that work there would then no longer have jobs if they had to shut down so that's a, another thing to think about number 3 leave the job notify the feds not likely i hate them the feds come in audit the company and various bad things can happen the department of transportation will uh, get out of um, will 
will give out fines and perhaps enough to put the company out of business. They could also call in the drivers and prevent deliveries until they felt satisfied, also bad for business. The FDA could audit the company and hand out fines or even pull the license, preventing them from continuing in business. It's a very bad option. The other thing that uh, is that there are several people who would be put out of work if anything happened to the company. It would make it hard on some of them, and one of them working there is a single mother who's pregnant again. Another had her driver's license suspended. These people would be hurt by being out of a job and having to look for another. Um, P.S. The owner really does not like conflict and will always get out of things the easiest way possible. He's gotten very upset when others have told him he's not operating, he's operating illegally or just paying badly. He's not willing to change how the company is mismanaged unless absolutely forced to. So what do you think uh, oh, Michael should do here in this particular instance? Should he just leave the job? Should he leave the job and rat to the uh, private certifying <laughs> company? Should he leave the job and rat to the feds? Well, he obviously doesn't want to do the Fed one, and since the Feds don't regulate him, you know, for even good motives, they might just fine him. That yeah. doesn't seem like a very good way. I think that the the Fed's the worst agency to do certifications. I think that sometimes they certify people and and have good rules, but the way they go about it and and you know the, all the politics that go. He into might it. be able to get around it without actually being safer. You don't know. Yeah, you never know with the Fed. Whereas with that uh, private one, maybe some good changes would happen, and maybe they everybody wouldn't have to lose their jobs and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's a possibility. Um, if he's gonna, if he's willing to quit, you know, maybe other people will have to quit, or maybe they won't have a job because, I mean, if you got a place that's unsafe, is it better to have a job at an unsafe place? Yeah. I mean, I'd, it's I. I don't know. I here's what what I would do, uh, Mike, is I would. Uh, I, I would probably tell the private agency, if if you think that somebody's life's in danger, um, that it could happen, I'm not talking about minor infractions, I'm talking about major ones, and that sounds like what we're talking about the, here. Um, if you're talking about major infractions, I would talk to the certifying agency and say, hey, look, um, you know, this is the jointcommission.org, I, I believe, um, independent standards organization. I, I, I think I'd tell them. Uh, that seems that like the way to go sense. to me. And if he's already going to quit, you know, he's already thinking it's important enough to leave that place. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, usually getting involved with the the feds, you could be required to testify or something like that that you really don't want to be involved in. It's always unintended consequences <laughs> when dealing with uh, the federal government, and you know, I don't, I don't think Mike was uh, really interested in no, doing I that. Didn't like that but I, I think that if you saw some news story where that pregnant mother, um, you know, that, that's working there, the one that that uh, lost their driver's license was maimed um in some horrible way in an accident there and you would feel responsible so i i think that 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 would be the direction that i would go with it yeah sound like he, it to you yeah he sounds like he already has talked himself into that too <laughs> yeah i think so too i think he, he wanted a little confirmation and uh we give it our stamp of approval <laughs> free talk live approved um, real quick, I think uh, it's it's always interesting to see the uh, double standards that go on in uh, the law enforcement community. Um, you know, it's, uh, cops out there, they enforce the laws on us, but when they break uh, rules, it seems to go different for them. And, and this is in uh, Australia, but it's true all around, and, and we have international listeners. So Queensland, a police officer caught with more than 8,000 child porn images on his home computer has avoided spending any time in jail. Um, this uh, gentleman, uh, Thomas Wilson, 25, pled guilty, Brisbane's district court today, to possessing the lewd material, including pictures of boys as young as 10, engaging in sexual acts. 
pretty yucky, yucky mm. stuff. He was sentenced to 18 months in jail, but the term was wholly suspended after his lawyer successfully argued Wilson had downloaded the images by mistake. Oh, these wow. 8,000 8, images, 8,742, <coughs> if you wanted to be specific. That doesn't seem like a they mistake. They downloaded by mistake. That's a lot of images to download by mistake, doesn't it? I've always uh, also pictured that if the Fed was going to take me down, they'd uh, they'd implant a bunch of uh, that sort of thing on my computer. Yeah, nobody wants to get behind a child pornography. They want to. Yeah. They don't. You know, they they don't want. There's you know, if you were taken down in that manner. But in his case, he probably really actually had all that stuff. Yeah. Huh? I mean, that it, they wouldn't be framing him because so it didn't it work. Seem, yeah. So that's a strange situation. Yeah, I don't. I, I I really don't see you ever having child porn. No, but they they put it on there. Right? Yeah, I mean it, that's it, what I've always imagined. You know, and I don't think um, I I don't think that uh, any kind of character witness would really help you in that particular instance either. You know, I mean your character witness would be free, free state project members would be painted as uh, radicals and loonies, and um, mm-hmm. likely it it wouldn't help. If, if hey, at least I won't be that. He he always was the quiet one. Yeah, well, <laughs> absolutely not the quiet one. But that's, uh, yeah, so he does, you know, and it's 18 months, but it's suspended. So it's, yeah, it's apparently as if it was real, but not really. He got swept up with 1,717 suspects um, as part of a 2003 child porn investigation. wonder what happened to the rest of them. Yeah, I wonder what happened to the other 1,716 suspects. That's a lot of, that's uh, a lot of people. Yeah, that's huge. That's a big one. Um, but that would clog a court system. Do you think that stopped child porn? Well, it's not... Yeah, I can't imagine. No, I don't think it. I, I don't think it has either. Um, uh, child porn's one that enters into that one, that sort of that area where I think it should be prohibited. But I know what prohibitions do. Prohibitions just mm-hmm. increase the cost of things and um, drive it further underground and into the black market. I, you know, I I think that looking at child porn's sick and weird, but I know that they're not hurting anyone. What do you do in that situation? I mean, do you have hey, you're, you thoughts? just call, you call me a pacifist? I always treat him the same way. What do you mean? I have the same answer for all of the evil guys. What's I'm that? not going to throw them in jail. I'm you're, not going to do anything to them. I don't know that I I I, I, I don't know that I don't want to throw him. them in jail. I I, I, I I don't know. It seems to me that the the right place for a child pornographer is in jail. I just don't know about forcing other people to. I don't know. I mean, it's just yeah, because for that's, me it's a muddy, muddy. As soon as you throw them in. You're making little old ladies pay taxes to pay put them in there. Yeah, well, a little tiny bit. It, I, gets, it gets complicated. I, I've thought of some free market ideas for uh, um, you know jailing people, but uh, they aren't certainly. See, I'm not thinking. Proof. I'm not trying to think of any of those, so it's easier for me. Yeah, you you don't even <laughs> bother. You just say the violence of the government is wrong. I will not participate. Or even the violence of a person. Not, even if we know that guy's bad, I'm not going to do anything. It, so. And violence in defense too. I'm not going to do anything to that person either. Yeah. You just haven't had too many instances to defend yourself with violence, right? No, that's not true. Yeah, not really. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, we'll see you tomorrow night. I'm going to have Gardner in the studio. Heard. It's going to be the big Saturday night show, so uh, tune in, if you will, at freetalklive.com. Get the stream there or listen to your local radio station. It's been Mark with you. And Russell. Thanks very much for listening.